Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Holy moly! Man, woman, and child in that bottom of the aisles. Johnny the Jet Riders just for a moose of their shoe. Oh, they don't have him yet? Look at Tommy Frazier. How many tackles can one man break? Touchdown. What's going on, Husker fans? Welcome back to Believe in Nebraska Football on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Casacho. And uh, as you might have expected, the Huskers lost in another close one against the top-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. After this week, Ohio State is in the top four, and the Huskers managed to, to, lose, it, to lose another close one. Though it wasn't a one-score game. It was one point away. It was a nine-point game. Uh, but still felt like the Huskers had a lot of chances in that one. And if you thought that the valiant effort the Huskers had in playing our closest game with Ohio State since we beat Ohio State 10 years ago would be the biggest news for Nebraska football this week, think again as Trev Alberts made a statement on Monday that Scott Frost would be returning as the head coach for Nebraska in 2022 with a restructured contract and that was quickly followed by frost firing four um assistant coaches on the offensive side of the ball before we dive into all of that let's talk about the ohio state game now we'll start with the good here the husker defense showed up the black shirts were about as good as i've ever as i've seen them be this season and in a long time it was i mean it rivaled the michigan state game in terms of in terms of dominance, I mean, just a lot of it had to do with the foe, you know, that they were facing. Um, Ohio State is probably the top offense, uh, is the top offense in the Big Ten. It might be the top offense in all of college football, frankly. Um, they average a ton of points a game. Henderson's a great rusher, and, and the black shirts came up, and really it was the, their lowest scoring, scoring game of the year. The, the defense won the turnover margin. It was really unbelievable. I mean, I'll just read some statistics just right here that just jump off the page about how well this defense played. Uh, the, the Blackshirts held them to 26 points, which is OSU's half of their season average. Ohio State was less than 50% on third downs, averaged third yards per carry on 30 rushes. So they were and they were held to, so they were held to under 100 yards. They had two interceptions, and they allowed. There was no Ohio State could not did not score a touchdown in the second half, and that's yeah, that's the best scoring offense in college football. So, or one of them, you could you know however you want to look at it. But the point is, the black shirts, unbelievable performance, definitely good enough to win that first drive. They were they were making Ohio State earn everything they got, and then the interception that JoJo Doman had was spectacular keeping that right leg right knee down before going out of bounds i mean it was all great all great stuff but un- unfortunately for the huskers this game looked a lot like a lot of the games that that they've played against top opponents this year uh, there were just a couple plays here and there that didn't get it done on the offensive side of the ball and then in this game on special teams once again 
two of the biggest plays of the game, I thought, were driving down the field in the first quarter and having to settle for three because we ran the ball three times. Um, that was that was. I thought a big play. I felt like I knew Nebraska needed to come away with touchdowns in situations like that, and I didn't really love the play calling there. Um, and then the biggest play of the game was Martinez on third down, just sailing a pass that he needed to make to, to pick up a four-yard first down, and then Scott deciding to, to kick the field goal, and, and it was missed in a six-point game. So we were, you know, we were inside the 15, four yards to go on third down, the first down's there. Martinez sails it, and then Scott opts to kick the field goal, um, and it's and it's missed. Um, obviously, in retrospect, of course, you didn't want to kick the field goal. He thought at the time, make it a three-point game, the way the defense had been playing. Um, that's what he said in his press conference after. Like, obviously, in retrospect, he'd go back and change it. I think it's tough. Um, it's tough. I don't think that he has I, – I, I, I've kind of said all year, I don't really know what he – is supposed to do about the kicking game situation. Uh, you know, you had a big 10 kicker of the year. Now he's like missing extra points. Yeah. I, you know, what are you supposed to think about that? Um, he then tried to address it in the bye week and c- came out, started Contreras and he played well last week, pretty well against Purdue came out this week um, made made his first one and then just missed a just really missed a crucial second one. I don't know, you know, we're not allowed to see what's happening in practice. Maybe these guys are missing, and he's just not. I, I, you know, he doesn't know how to evaluate who's going to make field like whether or not we have a, a reasonable kicking game. All we know is that it's not showing up during the games. So, either way, these these plays are the. This has been the story all year. Um, again, you're talking, you're splitting hairs here. It's a nine-point game. And if you're in the fourth quarter, you're down six within the 15, obviously you know how close that is. And you came away with zero points. And the game was still within reach, you know, comes down to the final possession. Obviously, you they battled. They've battled in a lot of these games. Um, I know that, that there are people in the stands chanting for Smothers to come in after Martinez sailed that, that pass. Um, there's a lot to, to say about Martinez after four years here, because on one hand he does so much right. And on the other hand, you can't help, but feel that at these big moments in games, particularly this season, that he just seems to lack a kind of a clutch gene here. I will say that I think that there are other factors here because another, the, probably the biggest problem in the game, um, outside of, you know, just not executing on that play. I would say that the most consistent, I guess the, the the overarching consistent problem for the offense in the game was that we just could not pass protect at all. Ben Hart was a barn door. I mean, it, it was just a, a nightmare trying to defend an Ohio State defense. Which actually, like, some people have been able to expose that defense a little bit. I mean, truly their offense had kind of been what had been dominating for them and it's unbelievable that the Huskers were able, to, the Blackshirts were able to go toe to toe with them, but that was unbelievable. I think it's hard for any quarterback to to play well under those circumstances. Now it's not it's not just this year; it's four years of different things. And think about Martinez. I know there's a lot of people out there who who are tired of Martinez that want to see a change here. I think that 
I agree that that there are issues with Martinez. That he is not the you know my favorite quarterback that we've ever had or anything like that. I think there are problems, but I do think that Martinez does a lot of things right and a lot of and a lot of what happens bad things that happen on the field are not always his fault. If you're not pass protecting for him, he's not going to play well. That's just that's just the reality. I think that there's a lot of criticism of of the way he's played this year, but we forget about the things that we criticized him for last year that aren't even the case anymore because they had nothing to do with him. There were no f- throws downfield last year. And everyone's like, "Oh, well Martinez can't throw downfield anymore." And he, you know, he doesn't he needed he needed Spielman and, and Stanley Morgan here. And if they weren't here, look at he can't even do it. It, they, it was because of how great they were and and he he can't do it. Obviously he can. I mean, now he's like now it's like he can only do the big play. He only can hit Samari Toure for for however long. It's I don't think this stuff has to do with him. I think it had to do with we didn't have the right receivers last year. Xavier Betts and Omar Manning didn't get enough, you know, work in a in a COVID camp. It was just a non-existent camp. Um they didn't have enough time to get to get ready to go last year and we couldn't throw downfield. This year we were able to throw downfield, but what else did we do? We let Matt Farniak and Brandon Hymas, they went to the NFL. So we we're struggling on, you know, at the tackle position. We're struggling on the offensive line. We struggled on the offensive line all year. False starts and terrible, you know, and, and bad stuff. We, it's been an issue. That's not great for a quarterback. And then even we also forget about the things that get – it's, it's not just Martinez. There's lots of things on the offense and on this team that we forget that that was going wrong. And we talked about it at the beginning of the year. So now the problem is we can't pass protect because we have effectively three freshman tackles, two red shirts, the, you know, in Corcoran and Ben Hart. And actually, Turner Corcoran is still technically a true freshman. So – and then you have Prohasco gets injured for the year. I mean, that's what you're talking about. Those are your guys, and you were like, oh, we're struggling with those guys. Hymas struggled tremendously his first season when he had to start as a rookie under Riley. It was terrible, and 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 that's a struggle this year. What we're forgetting is that Cam Jurgens used to not be able to snap the ball for like two seasons, and that he's gotten better and is a strength of the entire offense this year in blocking. I mean, so the, So some stuff does come together. Like, I think watching Samari Toure dominate downfield in a game against Ohio State for 150 yards and a touchdown, you're sitting there thinking you can't even believe that last year we had no play over 40 yards. We now have the most plays over 70 yards in the whole, I think, in the whole country. So things are getting fixed. Things are getting addressed. But I do think that Martinez... There is one consistent thing that I feel like has been an issue for Martinez throughout. And it's not actually something that you see jump off the page as much as, you know, his interception here or a sailed throw, etc. I don't think that Adrian Martinez has ever kind of gathered a mastery of this offense the way that that quarter some of the quarterbacks in in Frost past teams have been able to do like Marcus Mariota or Mackenzie Milton when i watch them execute i'm watching the same offense but they seem to have a great under they, when i watch them do it it's not that i that they have a better arm than martinez or that they're faster than martinez i mean you know i think actually martinez in some instances is a little faster than them or 
you know, maybe Mario's got a better arm, but they're similar players in terms of their skill set. So that's not what the problem is. It seems to me that that they had a mastery of what this offense is that he doesn't fully get. And that might be for a lot of reasons. It might just be because he simply doesn't really fully understand it after four seasons. Um, it could be because the weapons for those guys were more readily accessible. Like they were kind of established and there were issues along the way. So Martinez doesn't trust certain things. And, you know, he just, it's, it's been a little bit kind of clouded for him because of exactly what I'm saying. Like last year, we just didn't have the receivers. So we couldn't throw downfield. It, it, you know, and this year we do and we can, and it, that has nothing to do with Adrian Martinez. Martinez didn't figure out how to throw downfield between year three and year four, particularly when he threw downfield as a true freshman. And then he wasn't able to in the, tr- in, the in the two seasons that followed. It's not, that's not his fault. You know, that's not on him, but maybe the fact that that was happening has impacted his ability to, to run the offense um, as effectively as those guys who had great, great success under Frost have done. But regardless of the reason that, that Martinez has, seems to kind of lack the full mastery of this offense, it, it is what it is. And that isn't, you know, that's not great. It's hard to completely, it's, you know, it's hard to completely depend on that. It's certainly hard to overcome the you know, basically not being able to pass protect and having issues with the offense, you know, outside of the quarterback position, it's hard to overcome that when the quarterback doesn't seem to have a full mastery after four years of the offense. Like I, there's, there's always meat on the bone plays that he didn't, you know, that he just didn't see the wide open receiver or, and things like that, that I think that other quarterbacks under frost have made the difference is that they made those plays. So that being said, I do not think it is certainly not this year time for Logan Smothers. Um, I think Logan Smothers is a good player. People keep talking about him as always oh, only a backup. Logan Smothers very well may have that that clutch gene that, that Martinez doesn't have. I just don't believe the time is today. We're talking about the issues that Martinez is facing with the pass protection. I don't want to put Logan Smothers into that situation at all, you know, in really what is his first real season here. I mean his first season was last year, but I mean, it's a COVID year for a fresh, true freshman. That's not, they didn't have spring. They didn't have fall camp. Like, you know, the, the, and then he was a backup quarterback. That's not, that's not a season. This is, he's got in, he's gotten some meaningful playing time. I think it's been great. Just, it is not his time today. It may be his time down the road. I think people are saying they don't want Martinez back next year. I don't know what Martinez is going to decide to do. He may be done with this whole situation because it can't be easy on him. Um, Frost chose to reveal that he'd been playing with a broken jaw and a high ankle sprain. One, I don't think, I, you know, I don't know what constitutes, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what constitutes a high ankle sprain. My understanding of a high ankle sprain, though, is that it's not an injury that you get. Frost said that he got it during practice before the Minnesota game. I'm like, okay, so that was three weeks ago, you know, or four weeks. I mean, you're not over that. He said he said he's but he's over the high ankle sprain now. I'm like I don't know about that, but that's fine. He sprained his ankle one way or another, and he had a broken jaw and he played through it. And I appreciate that. That doesn't surprise me that Martinez did that because his character has never been in question. This guy is 
you couldn't want a player to do have more success. This is the kind of guy that was happy for his teammate after being benched last year, Luke McCaffrey getting a win against Penn State. I mean, he's a he is a Nebraska Husker through and through, a warrior, does so many things well. There's nobody you want to do. I'm not surprised at all that he chose to battle through that. And you could tell he wants to win. I'm just saying that the, you know, I'm not sure. I guess I'm not sure why Frost brought those things up because I'm like, I don't think those things had anything to do with why we lost. I don't think his jaw or his ankle or whatever had him sail the ball in the most important moment of the game early in the fourth, you know, inside the 15 trying to get third and four and the guy's wide open. He just throws it over his head. You know, I'm not, you know, that has nothing to do with his leg. You know, I just don't think those aren't the reasons why, we're, you know, we're having struggles. I would point out way more important than that is that no one's pass protecting for him. So he is just a jumpy jackrabbit every down. I mean, he got sacked five times. Of course, he feels that. You, you, you're going to feel that throughout the game. It's going to impact the game. Um, the truth is, I think the, Nebraska had good pressure on Shroud, and they, I think it impacted his play. He had the worst game I think that he's had this year, honestly. Like I, he didn't have a great game. Neither did Martinez because the both defenses were were up in there, just being very disruptive. So, that being said, I don't know what he's going to do next year, but the truth is, if he came back, I think he's still. I still think he'd probably be the guy. Um, he just does too much right. I looked up at a point in the game, and I know he ended up kind of completing 50% of his passes, and his QBR wasn't that great. He threw a pick there at the end. But at one point, he was 10 of 14, and he and he's had so many great games this year where he, you know, outplayed Spencer Rattler. He, he, he outplayed, you know, he played unbelievable against Michigan State. He played great against Michigan, honestly. So it's just, it's tough. I think... I don't think that he's going to ever be the quarterback that we all hoped he would be, but I definitely think he's the best quarterback for right now. So I don't, it's not helpful to chant for Logan Smothers because all you're hoping for with that situation is in a, in a season that's already lost. Basically it's a lost season. You're talking about trying to put in a freshman quarterback for what, you know, I mean, honestly, but, but what, it, and it's, he's not ready to go. He's not ready to go. And he, I can tell you this for certain. He doesn't have the physical skills that Martinez has. And he's not as mature. He's How could he be as mature as a, as a guy who's started on this team for four years? So, you know, that's that's not the direction I, I, I see the Huskers going. Um, Obviously, special teams was a huge miss in this game. The, the missed field goal. And we had another uh, another eight-yard eight punt. I, I, Scott said after the game, and I think this is true. Um, I really feel feel for Scott on this. Is that we're not having special teams problems, at least not anymore. I mean, for a, I would say for most of the season, we're not having special teams problems. We're having specialist problems. Where yeah, it's just it's one or two kids. Um, and even from the beginning of the season, it was Cam Taylor Britt, it was Connor Culp, it was Will Pristop. These guys are just not doing what they need to do. It's not on the entire unit. It's it's very apparent because they're not. Now, we weren't returning kick returns, punt returns. I th- Oliver Martin returned a punt against Ohio State. Like These things got addressed throughout the year. Somehow we couldn't get the specialists to just like settle down. 
I don't know why that is. I really don't. I've never seen anything like it. So to begin to understand about what needs to be done to fix it is is difficult. Um, but that was really the story of the Ohio State game. It wasn't anything different. It was some issues with the offensive line, Martinez not breaking the play when he needed to, and the special teams um, effectively having catastrophic plays that took away the Huskers' chances to win a game that was close despite catas- those catastrophic plays. Um, so that's So that's that. And the black shirts keeping, you know, playing well enough to win. I did appreciate Scott's comment because I felt the same way in his press conference. That said the only thing he'd say about the defense is, and the team, is that if we played this hard every week, it's difficult to do, it's a long season. But if you played this hard every week, we'd have more wins than we do right now. I think that's true. I think if the, I think if the, if the defense played as hard against Purdue and Minnesota as they did against Ohio State, both of those games are wins. And I don't think they did. I particularly don't think that they played as hard against Purdue as they did against Ohio State. Ohio State has a better offense, and, and we played better against Ohio State than we did against Purdue. So that's disappointing. But other than that, you know, it was pretty much, you know, it's the same story. It's the same story. So where do the Huskers go from here? Well, Trev Alberts kind of answered that question to say that we're going to go with one Scott Frost for another year, despite the loss. Um, he wants to go with them. And I think the timing was, you know, I think it was, it was chosen deliberately. Um, I think that keeping Scott Frost, I think people underestimate the elements um, that I kind of touched upon last week about this being you know, a member of the Husker family, Scott Frost, you know, I remember him getting hired and all of the former players greeting him in the locker, in the, in the weight room, you know, to a standing ovation. I mean, this is a bad, like, I know we're four years in and this is, this is tough, but the truth is this not working out is a very tough thing to, to admit and to have happen. Um, to have it not go well. So I think that the, the athletic department obviously is looking for a reason that this could still work under frost. And I think the Ohio state gave them, gave them a lot of reasons. That was the closest we had played Ohio state since we beat them a decade ago. That's obviously progress. You're obviously, you know, this is to some degree, this program has moved along. It just hasn't moved along in the wind column. And that's really disappointing, but I think this was a good moment to say, look, okay, this is where we're at. We're going to give him another year. And it wasn't just another year. Um, The interesting thing was the restructured contract. Full details haven't been revealed, but effectively Scott has given up, you know, his, he, if he had got, if he had gotten fired right now, he would have gotten $20 million in the buyout. And he's effectively reduced his buyout next year to be, $7.5 $7.5 million. So he's going to get paid for next year, but if he gets fired next year, the buyout will only be 7.5 million, not 20 million. So he could have, he, I mean, that's leaving a lot of money on the table, millions of dollars on the table to just get to coach Nebraska for one more year. I mean, if that doesn't tell you how much this guy wants to win here, I don't know that there's another coach who does that. You could take 20 million and just go golf, you know, move back to Florida and go golf. And the, and the nightmare ends. Scott chose not to wake from the nightmare and give up, you know, $10 million. 
Because make no mistake, this has been a nightmare for him. This isn't just about, I mean, it wouldn't just be about the money. You're giving up money, but I mean, this is, I can't only imagine the toll this has taken on him. Being back in his home state, things going. I mean, everybody thought that this was the golden sun returning to save us. You know, this year and year one are the two of the worst seasons in the history of the program. I mean, it, it it's a four years of losing. That's no one thought that was going to happen, and it and it did. And it's been a nightmare. And 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 every time it does feel like every time we plug a leak in the boat, we get the bad snaps and the center position figured out. You know, the right and left tackles are a problem. We can't throw downfield anymore. We get the receivers figured out, and then the run game's not going. And, and it's just it's it's thing after thing where that that, that he's trying to get this done. But I think that that this was a great move by Nebraska. It almost feels like that when we hired Scott, it was too good, not to be true, but like better than we deserved. Like to just have the hottest coach in the country come back and save us. Like we didn't pay for our sins. Like firing Frank Solich and firing Bo Pelini, firing winning coaches and being surprised that our program isn't in a good place after that. Given the natural challenges that face Nebraska in the modern era of college football. And it just so happened that, yeah, this cutting edge, hot new coach running a, you know, a spread offense at UCF is, is happens to, you know, be a Nebraska hero and he's going to come back and coach us and everything's going to be saved. And we don't have to, we don't have to pay for, for any of the, you know, we don't have to learn any lessons about our past mistakes. We just get to be bailed out by Scott Frost. That was how it felt. Was That's what it felt like was going to happen. But it didn't. We lost four years in a row. And now it's not a coach that, that's never won less than nine games. It's a coach that's never had a winning season. It's a coach that's never coached a bowl game for the Huskers in four years. Have the Huskers learn to be patient? Can we as a fan base be patient? Can we as a football program, as an athletic department, be patient enough to work through the challenges that face this program, given A, where we're starting, which is from we've fired two winning coaches and gone further and further and further into irrelevancy. And then on top of that, the natural challenges of where we are in, in terms of population and location and how far we are from the, the glory days of the 90s. You know, we haven't been a winning program. We haven't won a championship. You know, these things are how you sustain success in college football. Have we finally learned to be patient and allow those, those challenges to, to, you know, you have to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. Are we willing to be patient as we try to, to accomplish those things after a three and six season? But we can see, you know, it wasn't just a three and six season. We played three teams, four teams in the top 10 within one score. Close games. Closest we had played Ohio State in 10 years. Came down to the last possession. It looked like we were going to win. I don't remember the last time that I thought we were going to win against Ohio State. I really don't. I, I, the last time, because I'll tell you what, the, the night that we did win, just to provide, provide a little context to that 2011 victory, Braxton Miller... They, it was the largest comeback in, 20, in, in Nebraska history. They went up 27 on us. They didn't go up 27 on us today. Ohio State had a 27-point lead against the Huskers, and their quarterback got hurt, 
and it was the greatest comeback in, in, in Nebraska history. That's the last time. That's when we beat the Ohio State last. This game was close from the jump. The Husker defense was the first defense this year to stop Ohio State on three consecutive drives, and it was to start the game. Ohio State had no points. The problem was the Huskers couldn't capitalize on that. Huskers got the ball three times and, and didn't make anything of it at home. And sure, that's a problem. But there's obviously progress being made here. Even just if you look at that one game in a vacuum. And it's not that one game. It's Michigan. It was Michigan State. It was Oklahoma. These are the top teams. And Purdue, I mean, what our easy games are supposed to be Purdue and Minnesota. Minnesota's leading the division. And Purdue just beat number three Michigan State and beat them handily. So they beat Iowa and they beat Michigan State. They've now upset two top five teams. Those were our easy games. Sure, we should have won against Illinois in week zero. But I'm just pointing out that this schedule was really tough. We may be closer than we think. And I, and and the important thing is, is that whether or not Scott is doing everything he needs to do, maybe he isn't. Because, I mean, obviously we're not getting it done, so that's a problem. You can't just lose all your games. We talked about that last week. And it's been four years, so you've had a lot of opportunities. But he clearly wants to get this done more than anybody in the country. I don't know many coaches who just turn away millions and millions of dollars to just coach for one more year. It's not a guarantee, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's just saying you get one more chance, and you, but you have to let a millions of dollars go. He'd be like, one more chance? I don't know. Didn't work this year. I mean, it, it's it's been awful the entire time. It's not been easy. It's not all his fault. I mean, I have kicker. All of a sudden, my Big Ten kicker of the year just couldn't make any field goals this year. We had to switch kickers. He's yeah, he missed f- two field goals in that Ohio State game. It changes the game. You know, it it it's definitely not. I haven't envied Scott Frost over these four years, but he wants to win here more than probably anybody on the planet, and that makes it, it makes sense to be patient with him. He wants to win so bad that he was willing to to fire four offensive coaches that came with him here from UCF outside of Matt Lubick because he's already fired Troy Walters. So he basically gutted that offensive staff. He was fired offensive coordinator Matt Lubick, offensive line coach Greg Austin, running backs coach Ryan Held, and quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco. Now, I want to first say that I was very sorry to hear this news. Um, these coaches, particularly uh, Ryan Held and Mario Verdusco, are great guys. I've had a fun time watching their press conferences the last four years. Um, prior to Scott bringing this UCF staff over, I really stuck to to kind of covering just the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator press conferences, and then obviously the head coach of Nebraska over the last, you know, 10 years or so. But when these guys came, I mean, they had such great things to say. It was so, it's so easy to see why the players like these guys and why Scott brought them with them because they, they've been, you know, have great energy the entire time. Um, I liked a ton of things they had to say. It just, it's, I think in this instance, so, you know, it didn't work out and it says him go Ryan held Greg Austin, two former Huskers. So it, it's, it's, it stinks, but Honestly, when I heard the announcement, I thought to myself about what each, you know, each of their jobs were. Um, honestly, Matt Lubick is the wide receivers coach in addition to the offensive coordinator. I mean, Scott's really running the offense. Um, I really thought that 
I didn't think that I don't know what he you know, specifically didn't do. I mean, it, that didn't jump out to me. I thought the wide receiver. My point being that I thought the wide receivers were much better this year. I thought Xavier Betts, Omar Manning, Samari Toure, they looked the best. It looked better than when we had JD Spielman and Stanley Morgan. It has looked great. They look good. Um, there's just no no way around that to me. Um, but the other guys, the offensive line. I mean. <sighs> we talk about it every week. We, you could see how maybe at this point that it just, it's been kind of a struggle as we talked about with the cam Jurgens was transitioning from tight ends. Okay. So he's struggling, but there's been a lot of struggles with the offensive line throughout the tenure. And particularly this year when it needed to work, it needed, you know, if that had worked, you know, and I think we saw what it was like when pro was in that it did work. I mean, it, our team really popped against Northwestern looked really great against Michigan but that just hasn't worked out. The running game hasn't been here for Nebraska um, as as much as it was certainly in years past with uh, with Pelini. I mean, Riley's the run game wasn't great, but that was because we you know we'd gone to a West Coast offense and you know this we I think we expected the running game to be a lot better here, given that you have the rushing quarterback that you have. Like that should open up run lanes, and it, and it really hasn't for Nebraska. Like. Outside of Ozigbo's kind of second half of the season that he kind of came on and some stuff with Maurice Washington, we really haven't seen it. Ramir Johnson was has been solid um kind of through the year, but it just it, I think that I think that this year it kind of became apparent. I think the running backs were good, but the run game just wasn't wasn't where it was. Uh Ryan Hell was also the, the the recruiting coordinator, so maybe it had to do with that. I think even more than 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 what the deficiencies were and and Mario is obviously the quarterback's coach and maybe that what well, I was talking about Martinez not mastering the offense that may have p- played a role ultimately in that four years Martinez still doesn't really get it that you know that's a problem that you know you're the quarterback's coach all of those things you know being true to some degree I think the biggest thing here is that I think Scott recognize that what he's been doing isn't working on the offensive side of the ball. It's just plain and simple. Now, does that mean the whole system has to go? I don't think so. Um, that remains to be seen because he, I mean, the whole staff is gone, but I think it does mean that at least like in terms of how they were executing that or who was executing it and what was going on with that, that wasn't working. And I know uh, Greg Austin as like the running, he got, he got the title of running game coordinator. They, they had some pretty loaded salaries. So this isn't, I don't think, I think this ultimately will be about more than just, you know, these, you know, replacing all of these guys. I think Scott is going to restructure exactly what is how, you know, who's getting money and who are the assistants on the offensive side of the ball. And to some degree, we already know that because Trev Alberts in a, in an interview said that he believes that Scott is going to, and this may have led to why Lubick was let go. He wants to move away from calling the plays and become more of a CEO. So he's you know of the of the whole team um, instead of being really just focused on the offense while Charlie Anders uh, focused on the defense. So he's looking for an offensive coordinator. That's going to call plays, you know, for, for his offense. We think for his offense, I don't think that Frost is going to completely change ideology here, but he is going to 
look to bring someone in who can, you know, c- can call plays. I think that may not be the end of exactly how this is going to be restructured. I think that this opens the door for him to to hire a special teams coordinator uh, that will be dedicated full time to just coaching special teams. I think it's so. I think it's desperately needed. I think it's probably been needed for a while. But you know, you had these guys here, and Scott was loyal to them, and so that we had to do that. But ultimately, when it came down to it. Scott wants to win, and I, I think that, that he's showing that by, A, passing up millions of dollars to, <laughs> to remain the coach of Nebraska for one more year. That's how much he believes that they're going to win next year, that he's confident that he wants it and believes it will happen. That's how much faith he has in his own plan. So that he's taking money out of his, you know, food out of his family's pantry <laughs> to to – to take one more shot as, you know, Nebraska's head coach. And he's also willing to 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 let guys go that he's been loyal to that came here with him from their undefeated season at UCF. So clearly he wants to get it done. You know, Trev Alberts threw out, I think, an important notion here when discussing extending Frost, but needing to, you know, and and the changes being made here. So we want to, as a, as a program, be loyal, but it can't just be blind loyalty. I think that's what Nebraska has done. You restructure the deal. Um, Trev Alberts put it this way. He wants, he thinks it's better for both parties, you know, being the athletic department and Scott having skin in the game in terms of their agreement, you know, incentive for both parties to do well. And he said, I don't think either party is really comfortable with where things currently are at. So we'll be, you know, work, both be working as hard as we can to make it work. And so he said, we don't want to be, you know, we want to be loyal, but there's a difference between being loyal and blind loyalty. And he said, but in general, I would like to err, you know, as a program, we would like to err on the side of loyalty. And, and that's what they've decided to do here. And I think Frost has done that with his coaching staff. You know, he's loyal to these guys. It's been four years. And on the fourth year, these areas couldn't get it done. And therefore, people, you know, changes had to be made. And I think, you know, people have criticized Scott for being too loyal to Adrian. The truth is, people forget he benched Adrian last year. It's not like he he was unwilling to do that. Um, In his press conference this week, he said, you guys are crazy if you don't think I'm doing everything I can to win. If I thought that someone else would give me a better chance to win than Adrian, I would put them in. If you think that I would that I'm not doing that out of to some loyalty to Adrian, you're crazy. I believe that. Um so that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the theme of the week here. Walking the line between loyalty and blind loyalty. And I think Nebraska's doing a pretty good job of that in this instance, and I think that we may finally be exercising the demon that got us here. You know, that retributionist reactive demon that wants to, to fire a coach bench, a quarterback because we don't like what happened. We don't like the result. And we're finally doing what some other programs have done in the past. That's worked out for them. Even within our own conference. I mean, look at Kirk Ferentz and what he's done at Iowa. Look at Notre Dame 
that terrible season they had that four and eight season. Look at, you know, Michigan this year. Literally, we're un, you know in a similar situation. Sixth year, what do they do? Do they let him go? They restructure his contract, similar to what we did. They let it, they kind of come back for another year. They had tremendous success. They're a top ten team. So I'm thinking that this is a good. This is this is us. This is Nebraska football doing things the right way. It's not completely blind. It's not completely just well. Frost has is can do no wrong. Is untouchable. It is. It is time. The whole program, I believe, you know, and I want to get into this later when we recap, but I think things are going to shape up here that 2022 will kind of determine the future of this program. But I think this is there's a good opportunity here to end it on a good note. We're coming up on a bye week. We have a bye that we face Wisconsin and Iowa, our two biggest rivals in this division in terms of games that I know I circle on my calendar in terms of who we play in the division. It's Wisconsin and Iowa. So as a program, I as a fan, the two teams I want to see them beat probably most every year is Wisconsin and Iowa, and have a good opportunity to do it here. It's going to be certainly difficult from the offensive side of the ball with all of those players playing without any of their coaches. Um, I think these this had to be done at this time though because of the early signing period and it just it just needed to get done. So the season's lost, but these, you know, these guys, I think the players have an opportunity to kind of write the ship, not write the ship. They have the opportunity to build some momentum going into next year. Because like I said, I think next year will be the most important year in Nebraska football since Bob Devaney was hired. That's, that's how I would put that. And I don't think I'm being dramatic. <laughs> if it doesn't work, I don't think it's ever going to work. So that's just kind of where we're at. The Huskers next, you know, after the bye, will go and face a Wisconsin team that has kind of found their legs here in the second half of the season. One of the best defenses in the Big Ten. They found their run game. But I think, if, like Scott said, if the Blackshirts show up, and, and the whole team, but really the Blackshirts show up and play the way that they did against Ohio State, I think Nebraska will have a chance to win that game on the road. And I hope they can because, God, I would love to see some beaten Badgers. That would be nothing better than that. Let's have a sad jump around for the first time since joining the Big Ten. Never hurts to dream. That's our show for this week. We taking a break next week for the bye, and we'll be returning in two weeks to tell you about how the Huskers fared against the Wisconsin Badgers. And as always, go Big Red. I was raised in Nebraska, but one time I journeyed south. And the things those Okies said down there made me wipe out a couple of miles. They like their Sooner football, and they don't like the Huskers enough. But I surprised them all when I sang this song. I made them take off and run. 
You can boast about your victory Tell me all about your team But when we meet on the football field Your bridges won't be clean You can brag about the Sooners And sing your old fight song But don't come across our borderline Cause you knuckleheads don't belong Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.